Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 65, or if you prefer, a stack plus one for Monday, November 11th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me as always is Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello, sir. And if you are interested in, oh, I don't know, weather uh, in Canada, snow in Nova Scotia in November, and a little bit of uh, Minecraft Earth and Remembrance Day builds, then you should check out the Render Distance, which is the uh, pre-show conversation that we have every week. And you can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. What have you been up to in Minecraft this week, my friend? A uh, lot of Minecraft Earth, <laughs> as as you mentioned. And yeah, I, I've been kind of committing myself wholeheartedly to it, much to the chagrin of my survival guide audience, who some of whom are really against Minecraft Earth, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the opinion stuff a little bit later. But yeah, I, I decided that I was going to commit wholeheartedly to trying out Minecraft Earth and getting the most I could out of it. It released um, last Tuesday for the UK, so I've had a full week in the app now, um, and I've been going out and spending my time outside doing stuff. Uh, I'm back in Java now, and I'm currently farming rabbits because I had not gotten around to really doing a great deal with rabbits in the series so far. I've mentioned them, and for a couple of the achievements, you have to eat every item in the game, so I've eaten rabbit in three different forms, but I hadn't got any of them around my base, so I'm uh, breeding rabbits in order to um, feed the raw stuff to my butcher in exchange for emeralds eventually. But yeah, that's that's what I've been doing in, in Java Minecraft lately. That and taking down a large proportion of a nether fortress to try and make my wither skeleton farm a bit more efficient. How about you? It's funny, speaking of rabbits in Minecraft Earth, I've got one of those um, big rabbits, the tall-eared rabbits. Oh, the, the jumbo the rabbits. The jumbo rabbits. Yeah. I don't remember what they're called, but yeah, it happened the other day on the way home on the bus. And I was like, oh. That's new. I don't know what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> okay, just yeah, yeah. I haven't not not really for anything. I haven't yet. done That's anything with any of the livestock in Minecraft Earth, and we'll get into this later. But yeah, like I, I haven't um I haven't explored it. But I, I, I am keeping an eye on that kind of stuff because it does seem like it might be I don't want to say hinting at, but like of all the things that we're seeing from Minecraft on uh, and Moyang on different Minecraft properties like dungeons in Minecraft Earth, I feel like some of the stuff that you see in Minecraft Earth is more likely to show up in regular minecraft than say the dungeon stuff like um moo blooms like that seems like that could potentially come to minecraft at any time right like the, the, mm -hmm. that doesn't seem like that far off whereas stuff in dungeons is so specifically to that game that um we're not really sure so i don't i don't know what rabbits could like tall rabbits or j jumbo rabbits could bring to minecraft but um i was just talking with a friend that's looking to start to play minecraft and their first plan is to build a zoo so there are people out there mm -hmm. that that want uh, you know a variety of animals to do that with um for me unlike you who has been out in the sunshine playing minecraft earth i have been in the dark dark nether for two weeks um it's <laughs> yeah. really funny it's it's i i've only been popping out to my barn in dartmouth meadows to gather resources uh yeah i've been working quite heavily on these rooms that are adjacent to the nether hub because as i mentioned before we've been i've been feeling really kind of like Hmm. Well, I'll say self-conscious about these tunnels that have been around for two years that look like netherrack boxes. I was like, okay, this is, you really need to like spruce this kind of stuff up. Uh, and because they're all 11 by 11 rooms, they all have, you know, exits on four sides. Like it, you, you really only have to design a quarter of it and then you can kind of repeat that around the room. Sure, it's got like rotational symmetry at that point. Yeah, yeah. So we decided on a color finally for the south tunnel. It's all dark brown, really saturated chocolate brown and red. So there's a lot of red flowers and red Ooh, netherwort. Yeah. yeah, it looks really cool. Nice. Black terracotta 
is a really deep, deep brown, and it works really yes, well. I, I was for a second there, I was thinking black glazed terracotta, which also has like black and red oh, worked yeah. into it. But but yeah, I can imagine black terracotta it kind of go, going really well with nether wart. I feel like uh, nether wart blocks, I presume, yeah. is what you're, uh, what you're using there. Nether wart yeah. blocks under red glass, and then uh, mm. nether wart on like actually like so instead of I've been putting columns in the corners of a lot of these rooms just because it, it's an easy thing to put in there. Uh, but in this particular room, I put little corner gardens, so it's basically. Two tall rose bushes, uh, nether wart, and the nether wart block all kind of jumbled together like haphazardly to make it look kind of organic. Uh, and then I've got um, dark oak slabs over the glass floor in places so it looks like the either you could fall into this. Nether wart um, in the nether under glass looks like guts. Like it, it looks, it looks, <laughs> yeah. it looks like it used to be people. <laughs> and so it's it's funny. When when it first debuted back in Minecraft 1.10, I believe, uh, for Java edition at least, um, I remember a lot of people saying, oh, this is cool, it looks like carpet. And I feel like there are, there are many interpretations of Nether Wart Block, and I'm like, yeah, maybe not so much carpet if you're <laughs> if you're using it for more for more gruesome yeah, stuff. But then, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, you and, best to keep that underneath the glass floor. Yeah, it's like that great Avengers line, like you and I remember carpet very differently. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so then I moved on, and I had my butt handed to me by another adjacent room where I could just not figure out how to transition from this now dark oak and red room into the eastern direction which is all sandstone and bright colors and i just right, i yeah. just could not figure it out so i had a really frustrating stream on on saturday uh and then i took my own advice which is i went and i built something else for an hour after stream and through that process ended up realizing what i could and, and should do to fix uh this other room and so i ended up putting down soul sand on the floor with glass brown glass over top of it but i want to share this uh tip with everybody because I'm sure it's been done before. I'm not the first person to think of this, but uh, I showcased it on my, my stream yesterday. And so I have these four dark oak pillars that come down and they go through the glass and they touch the, um, they touch the soul sand. But what I did was the one block of uh, wood or log that is underneath the glass, I stripped it. And so when you, ah, right, okay. so when you put the glass back, it really amplifies the idea of that glass making a fog effect because the dark, yeah. the dark oak. Now, dark oak works better because the stripped oak, stripped dark oak, and regular dark oak logs are similar in color. Uh, for example, oak logs get drastically different when you when you strip them, um, whereas dark oak, it it's dark but it, it just gets a little bit more desaturated. Anyway, it works really, really well. It also works if you put a completely different kind of log. If it was a different color glass, you could totally do it with like dark oak going all the way down and then put a, a gray acacia log underneath the glass. And it still works mm -hmm. because you have that horizontal cutoff. But anyway, test it out on your own worlds. Have some fun with it. I It's opened my eyes up to a whole bunch of different possibilities for any kind of material, whether it's stone that switches color or texture, whether it's wood or something that you could do to try and push and sell the idea of like color and distance and and some sort of atmosphere in your build and i was really happy with it and uh i went on to complete the room next to it based on that kind of like soul sand floor and and i did like really fat columns for these 11 by 11 rooms the columns in the corner are three by three so like there's the great big hulking columns that nice it, it yeah. feels very substantial so we had a lot of fun and i have to say uh tip my hat to you of course thank you for the raid but also to the fun 
inquisitive people that stuck around after the raid. There was it was a good chat on on Sunday. Yeah. And sometimes the chat has good ideas and sometimes yeah. they it's sometimes it is good to just like let you do your own thing because you've got a vision for something and you're like, well, how can I get this to look just right? And, you know, the the like like you said, the the answer is often to go away and build something else and then come back to it. But mm. uh, yeah, so, sometimes people have just got the uh, the right material suggestions. I find that my chat often recommends to me stuff that i completely forgot was in the or, or like it, it temporarily slips my mind that you know glazed terracotta is a thing mm-hmm. or like there's certain certain textures that would work really well in certain spots so uh, they are they're a useful resource at times and good company if nothing oh, else. of course yeah and there was i don't remember who it was or even what they suggested but there was a block that i was thinking of it might have been terracotta it might have been some other thing where it didn't actually end up being applied in the situation where it was suggested but it it was usable in like the next part of the design so like we were able to incorporate it just in a different location and so that that worked out really really well it um it's a lot of fun when you get that balance of going back and forth what i like doing is like i it's i i build in minecraft kind of like how i shop <laughs> uh i can go to the mall and go to one store and be in and out and done in 10 minutes but yeah. you go, you look at the thing, you probably want that thing. But then because you're a, 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 a person that has, I don't know, these kind of concerns or I have to make sure that this is the right thing. So you go to six other stores, you look at the same sort of stuff in six different stores, and then you go back to the first store and you buy the thing that you saw <laughs> in the first 10 yeah, minutes yeah. and then you leave. So you're like you have to do the mandatory comparison shop yeah, while you're there. Yeah, so I did. So I did. Um, I did that. I built the corner column and thought, well, that looks pretty good, but. Let's try a bunch of different ideas. Let's try stripped logs. Let's try sandstone. Let's try this. And, you know, so you build the thing four times in the four different corners and look at them all and say, hmm, which one do we like? Yeah, the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, well, at least you know what not to do, right? Like, you know where where not to go. But uh, but yeah, it was Mm -hmm. was fun. Well, we should probably pop over to the news. A little bit light this week. We did get a Java edition snapshot. That is 19w45a slash b. There was a, a crash update that happened. Uh, midweek, I think. Bees will now search up to 10 blocks away uh, in all directions to find a nest slash hive to call home. Composters are now crafted from slabs instead of fences. This recipe was brought over from the Bedrock Edition. Improved performance across the board, uh, changes to how some textures are being used by the game, fixed bugs, etc. All of those things are going to be on the um, the minecraft.net page. We'll have that posted in the show notes. There's really nothing worth noting specifically. It's just a lot of like things are going to be better <laughs> uh, as yes. we continue on. So, um, so yeah, check it out. I mean, these kind of improvements are good. And I have to say, it's a like every snapshot it's a long list of bugs that they're fixing so it's it's yes. it's good they're really checking off a lot of boxes so hopefully when this holiday update does get to us it's going to be a smooth ride i would be interested to hear from anybody who is currently running the snapshots on a server or on a single player world and using that world as regularly as you and i play maybe not me because i tend to play quite a lot but like if somebody is logging into a snapshot world every day and has noticed a significant performance increase if they've noticed some things just really working well uh, i know a few people uh, a few of you know the folks on youtube have been making like snapshot skyblock series for example because the world is kind of disposable in that case but it'd be really interesting to hear from anybody who has some experience with 114 and compared it to the uh, current performance in snapshots what is making a difference for you? Let us know. Uh, the spawn chunks at gmail.com is the email address. We'd love to hear from you. 
Uh, one brief thing to cover before we move on to the chunk mail, uh, and that is mainly that Minecraft Earth was released in the UK, which you probably know because I've been playing it a fair amount, but the Minecraft Earth Twitter account uh, posted a picture which teased a mob that might be a reindeer. Uh, it included the muddy pig and the moo bloom, but also a shadowy mob lurking in the background, and it's unclear whether the reindeer is going to be actually a reindeer or not, it just kind of looks like one. Is it going to be a variant on horses? Is it going to be a variant on sheep? Is it going to be a cow variant of some kind? Is it going to be entirely its own mob? There's no real information about this so far, but there's um, a bunch of people very excited about it in the comments, and the usual amount of people saying, okay, now release it in the US, please, I really want to play this. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and a few people also slightly worried that their Android devices aren't compatible, but it seems like they are still you know, adding new stuff, refining new stuff, and uh, potentially a little bit more stuff to come from Minecraft Earth. But the main reason to follow that Twitter account is, of course, to find out whether or not it's going to be released in your country. So stay tuned, I guess. Speaking of Minecraft Earth, we've got uh, a couple of emails re related to uh, Minecraft Earth and other things, so we can move on to those. Uh, this one comes from Lord Valor. I almost said Lord Vader, by the way. <laughs> It was really, it was really close. Uh, but I'd love it if he'd been playing Minecraft Earth. Be like, I, I, I have a reduced battery output. <laughs> like his his respirator stops functioning because it's on low power. Yeah. Anyway, carry on, carry on. Read the email. Uh, this is about Minecraft Earth tread versus travel. Hi, Pixel Riffs and Joel. In response to last last week's episode about Minecraft Earth, I would like to throw out an idea I had to help balance walking and driving clickables. Maybe if you are walking to open up a clickable excuse me clickable tappable they're called tappables in the game um uh, get more resources compared to being in a car uh, another idea i thought uh, the number of steps you take could give you certain rewards take 1000 steps you get some wood take 2000 steps you get some dirt for an example and the rewards get better the more steps you take this would give people who are walking an advantage over people who are traveling in a car yet the people in the car would still have enough tappables to keep playing the game this would also promote health and fitness if that is really what minecraft earth uh, the the minecraft earth team wants uh, overall though i do like where the game is going and i can't wait to get my hands on it thank you for reading lord valor not lord vader um for me i've not had any problems collecting tappables riding home on the bus um this is the only time i play the game for tappables because my battery dies so quickly i don't often want to be out away from home with a dead phone uh mm -hmm. so i've just when the bus i know i'm going to be home in about 10 minutes i open up minecraft earth and i start tapping on things i find that i can collect tappables even when the bus is moving at 15 20 kilometers an hour yeah that is that is one of the things i took a note of this week was my my sort of life hack tip for it was ride the bus specifically because the buses in brighton have usb charger outlets in the seats oh um, nice it it's super cool because a lot of them are transitioning to being like either hybrids or entirely electric like long-range electric buses nice and yeah they they have usb ports that you can charge your devices from so i've been taking full advantage of that and also taking a battery pack with me but yeah it, it, the buses around here are the same they travel maybe like 15 miles an hour through urban areas it's not one of those things where they'll hit a road and they're going to the next town over so they're going at like 45 or something like they will drive pretty slowly and that is still an acceptable speed for picking up tappables the only time i've noticed it 
you know, shifting over into like, you're going too fast. You probably shouldn't be collecting stuff is when it goes down a hill. And that, yeah. that's pretty much all they've been able to uh, to kind of cut out of that route. So yeah. I've been I've been cleaning up when I'm collecting tappables on the bus. Yeah, me too. Uh, and now with regards to uh, taking extra steps and earning extra rewards, I think one of the reasons why they don't do that, or two of the reasons, uh, the first of which is probably not to alienate people that maybe can't walk around as easy as others. They yeah. want Minecraft Earth to be accessible to a lot of different people. Um, and I don't know how a, a pedometer or you know the, the step counter would necessarily work on your phone if you're maybe in a wheelchair or uh, if you have to get around in different ways. Um, the other thing would be, uh, I don't think utilizing those kind of tracking systems on a phone in the current situation with Minecraft Earth would help. Uh, it, the phones are, uh, and devices are already being taxed enough. Uh, so yeah. adding, adding one more thing, it's like, hey, let's just have this app use everything that your phone does and see how long, <laughs> yeah. that, long it lasts. So I think that's the other reason, too. It's going to monitor your heart rate as well while it's at it. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, in, in response to the idea about like having different tappables for different speeds of travel, uh, the official Minecraft Earth feedback page has a growing post of previously considered suggestions, which it recommends reading before you post any feedback there and they've said they've limited speeds at which you can collect tappables in the interests of community safety uh, uh to that extent i feel like yeah if you're like riding a bike or something or if you're if you're like looking down at your phone while you're you know god forbid driving um yeah they they don't want people to be doing that so i i feel like even though you can be a passenger you can be on the bus i think the, the threshold for it is already pretty high if we can be in some form of motorized transport and still pick up tappables as we go. But I really feel like, yeah, the, 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 the answer is not to completely remove that threshold and just give you more resources if you're moving more slowly. I think that's also slightly more difficult to track than just you're moving above a certain speed, slow down. Um, yeah. But yeah, Minecraft Earth doesn't have distance rewards, which is something that Pokemon Go did. Um, you had to walk a certain distance to hatch eggs that you would collect from Pokestops. Um, and that was, yeah, it was it was a decent system, but you're right, it does potentially favor people who are more able-bodied and are going to be able to just, you know, walk around freely. People who can't move as far or as fast are going to have a harder time with that stuff. And Minecraft Earth has kind of replaced that with the crafting system having timers which is both good and bad for various reasons but it's always going to be difficult to balance gameplay and rewards with a mobile app like this so evidently they've thought it through they might be open to more feedback because the game's still in early access but i feel like the fitness element might not play as big a role as it did in other apps let's move on though to the next minecraft earth question which comes from ron d which says, Hi guys, after watching Pixelrus play Minecraft Earth on his YouTube channel this week and thinking back to last week's podcast, I thought of a few questions. One, from what you know, is it possible to get Obsidian in the game? I think it would be pretty cool if you could go to the Nether and maybe even the End if they added a stronghold to a build plate. And two, do you know if hostile mobs spawn in the dark, like in regular Minecraft? My favourite redstone contraptions have always been mob farms, and it would be really cool to make a sky mob farm and have hostile mobs rain down on your front yard. I'm really looking forward to playing Minecraft Earth. Hopefully it comes out in the US soon. Ron. Well, I can answer the first one at least. Um, it is possible to get obsidian in the game as far as I know. I have not done it yet because lava is actually kind of a precious resource. Um, I recently 
grabbed a bucket of lava, but you kind of have to craft enough iron to make a bucket in the first place. And the problem with getting obsidian is that if you're getting it from adventures, where it is very much survival mode, you can't just pick up any block, you have to have the tools to mine it, you need a diamond pickaxe to do that, and getting diamonds is kind of difficult. Alternatively, you could gather lava if you have a bucket on you, bring it back to a build plate, pour water on it, and then you, uh, you could probably collect the obsidian using pickup mode. But as far as going to the nether is concerned, there isn't really a way of doing that. And that's something else that I put in my notes for a little bit later discussion. But I imagine the nether, if it is implemented, is probably going to be implemented through something like adventures, where you will open up an adventure and instead of, you know, breaking down into the into a cave system that's under the ground in the real world, you're breaking downwards into a nether scene, which has some more hostile mobs or something like that in it. Speaking yeah. of hostile mobs, the uh, the mob spawner idea sounds kind of fun, doesn't it? Yeah, I just because I'm re remembering back to one of our earlier podcasts where some uh, YouTube uh, content creators that had early access to Minecraft Earth were building things as high as they could, and yeah. as, like so you could potentially build. Uh, I think it was sixty blocks or thirty blocks. I can't remember, but it was definitely tall enough that I think the drop could kill a mob. Like you could certainly. Yes. Uh, if you wanted to collect bones for bone meal or if you were trying to do stuff like that, uh, gunpowder for TNT, uh, you could potentially make a, a mob farm in your build plate uh, and then just have them drop down vertically because you don't you, you you have a lot more room vertically than you do horizontally in the build plates. Yeah, it's something I have not yet tried, although I have tried a couple of other things. And as far as I know, in adventures, all of the mobs in adventures are static. They spawn with the adventure. They are placed there by whatever build team has designed the adventures in the first place. And for a start, I don't think mobs could necessarily respawn there, even if it is dark. I think it's also a matter of if they've basically copy-pasted these mechanics over from Bedrock Edition, they still work like, I'm fairly certain, the, the mob spawning algorithm works in java edition and it needs to be at least 23 blocks away from you which none of these adventures are that big like any, anything right. where you would encounter hostile mobs the the deepest i've seen a cave go is probably maybe like 12 if 16 blocks or something like that and there's already mobs in there if it's something that large but i don't think they are spawning naturally in the dark alternatively if they had a mob spawner cage in one of them, that could still be a factor if you're close enough to it. But I don't know if they've implemented those in adventures either. I've not seen any. Well, our last email comes uh, from Carter O. We actually uh, teased this last week. We just couldn't get to it. Uh, and this is regarding a question and some food for thought from an avid listener. Hey, Johnny and Joel. Happy 64th episode. Well, thank you very much. A stack of this podcast is equivalent to having a stack of diamonds in my book. And here's hoping we can reach a full double chest in the future. I first started Minecraft back in 2012, a very eager kid, but played the game in a more surface level way. I soon felt, uh, sorry, sorry, I soon fell out of gaming entirely for various uh, commitments and only got back into a couple months ago at the urging of my younger brother. I'm having a hard time reading today if you go, you folks haven't figured this out. <laughs> uh, I was really surprised to find out that the game has gained some incredible depth to the point where it warrants a wonderful podcast like this and soon found myself doing a lot of research uncovering more and more layers of this game as I got deeper. 
I have always been a more academic, technical person, so I was naturally drawn to farming and redstone. Yet lately, I've been looking for ways to change, uh, challenge myself and branch out into more creative pursuits, and Minecraft has just been the perfect medium to do so. The depth and grind of this game is fantastic to me, and it's been incredibly beneficial to try and get creative and bring an idea of blocky life, uh, sorry, br bring an idea to blocky life. But it's also a double-edged sword. I get sucked into a world and enjoy challenging myself so much that it's taking over the other activities that I love. So my question is, how do you guys find a way to balance your passion for Minecraft with the other important parts of your lives? I'd really love to reach a state where I can play regularly enough to tap into the creative mindset and bring that into my life but also not get consumed by everything that the game has to offer. Cheers and best, Carter. Thank you very much for that email, Carter. And very, very well written. And I feel like that's... Yes, there's, there's a, I apologize for butchering it. No, there's, there's a tendency for people to wax poetic. And, and I, I'm not sure I'm the right person to answer this question of like, how do you balance your lifestyle with Minecraft? Because I basically played Minecraft until it became my career. So um, I'm not, not certain I'm the right person to have input on this. But... Um, yeah, we need to go deeper, as the achievement says. Um, personally, my other responsibilities keep me grounded. You know, I have a wife. I have, you know, family who check up on me occasionally. I have to do my share of cleaning and cooking around the house. And I know that if I spend my entire day playing video games, I'm not going to take care of myself and the people who depend on me. So I kind of, yeah, I, I have to get some perspective. My main tip, really, is just setting a schedule is important. If you have appointments to keep and people are relying on you, that's going to help you stay disciplined. But it really can help just to set a timer and be like, okay, I'm going to be playing Minecraft for an hour or two hours. And once the timer goes off, difficult though it may be to tear yourself away from the game, you have to do it. And, you know, timers aren't just for kids, you know, for parents to make sure that the kids are going to do their homework and that they've got time for recreation and other things. Like, it can be a very useful tool as an adult as well. Yeah, the the trick that I've used is, um, pardon the the self referential note is um, start a podcast and start streaming so that I can at least mm -hmm. justify the time. Uh, you, even you have if, an outlet for yeah, it. Yeah, even if it's not even if it's not income, like or even if it's not you know directly affecting me in that way. I mean, being on stream and 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 being creative promotes the other stuff that I do. Like I end up talking about podcasts. I end up talking about the art. People that find my stream because they like Minecraft may find also the books that I publish and the art that I do. So there's a little bit of cross pollination there. But that's you know two answers from two um, content creators, right? Uh, if, if I was looking at this from just a playing perspective, uh, I absolutely played too much Minecraft when I first started. Like it was just, it was, before I was doing the podcast, it became, it became something that I was doing more often than not. Um, what I did find though is the time it was taking over was usually things like Netflix. So I wasn't watching as much television, but I was playing more Minecraft. Um, a technique that I use a lot when I work, uh, specifically when I'm doing stuff that's tedious, uh, in my my day to day running a business is that I get up every twenty five minutes and do something else for five minutes, and so sometimes that's filling. You know, I don't have a dishwasher, so I I do the dishes by hand. So f you know, filling a sink with water and and doing the dishes, but doing the dishes you know for five minutes every twenty five minutes, you do that for an hour, and the next thing you know, your dishes are clean and you've done two hours worth of work. And so um, I have done that in the past with Minecraft as well, where 
I was collecting a lot of resources because I didn't want to do it on stream or I wanted to do something else. And I would be doing laundry, uh, folding stuff or whatever. And I would be just like sitting down for 10 or 15 minutes with Minecraft and then doing something else for 10 or 15 minutes. And it's just kind of a fun way to kind of break up some arduous tasks around the house. Um, the other thing that I think uh, is, is a really good idea is um, just for the, your own physical health. Like I... Um, I can't sit for very long. I don't tend to stream for much more than three hours uh, when I do sit down and play Minecraft. And I generally set an hour uh, break time uh, because if I don't, I can guarantee you that my back will let me know the next day, hey, by mm -hmm. the way, you've got some disc issues. You can't sit for four hours without a break. And so I get up every hour when I play Minecraft and I stretch. And yeah. I think the having that balance, you know, like knowing how much this game can kind of suck you in and just knowing that if you um, if you balance that out with other activities, you're you will enjoy the time that you have much more uh, than if you just sit there and slog. Because Minecraft is it's that kind of game where like you can have some fun doing it, but you can also just kind of like spend too long kind of puttering around and not really achieving anything. Absolutely, and, yeah. And that's and that's where your body starts to feel like, okay, Joel, you've done this for six hours, but you've really only played for three. Like you've really not accomplished much in the last you know little bit that you've played. Um, and to remind everybody about what Impulse had said on our interview with him a few episodes ago, uh, he plans everything out. And, and like you, you know, has a timer, has a schedule. I get to play Minecraft from this time to this time because I have to like, you know, do stuff with my kids and I have to, you know, help with stuff around the house and all that kind of stuff. But by designating those times, he wants to get the most out of it. So even though he's not playing Minecraft, he's probably thinking about Minecraft and planning it. Uh, we've mentioned public transit, you know, already uh, today. Uh, a lot of what I found when I started playing Minecraft and I was still um, dealing with a part-time job outside of the house, I would be thinking on the bus about like, okay, I get to play Minecraft tonight for a couple hours, but I can't spend too long because I have to get up and go to work the next day. So the whole bus ride home, I would be like thinking about, okay, well, what do I want to do? What's the order I want to do it in? And so when I did have time to play Minecraft, it wasn't farting around like I, re I I had a clear vision and I think that if you have that kind of plan and designation for your Minecraft time you'll actually look forward to it you know yes definitely and I I've I had that when I was again working full-time in the city and learning Minecraft sort of in the background just coming home and playing a little bit on the Xbox I would devour the Minecraft wiki on my bus rides and that kind of helped prepare me for like whatever I wanted to do next but ultimately yeah it is is, is a matter of figuring out what you want to do with the game in this case it might be like redstone and technical related stuff but you can tinker with that bits and pieces and if you find like like we were saying earlier if you step away for a little bit and then come back to it you might have that flash of inspiration you need to finish the farm or the inspiration it takes to figure out what you're going to build around it i feel like yeah just moderating your time in a in a, a sensible way is always going to be the best advice there mm -hmm. but speaking of moderating your time in a sensible way let's talk about minecraft earth which i've i've not been playing in a sensible way i've been playing it in a way that is is bordering on i won't say obsession but is is definitely bordering on a, a, a lot more time in it than i expect the average person will be able to do but I wanted to dive into this and commit myself to it and really get a feel for everything the app had to offer before this discussion came around. So I have taken a copious amount of notes. Do you want me to start or do you want to give your impressions first? Because you, you kind of gave us a, a brief summary of your thoughts um, last week. How are you feeling about Minecraft Earth this week? 
I'm not quite sure if it's how I'm feeling about the game or if it's how I'm feeling about my personal experience with the game. And I want to clarify the difference is that I've not spent a lot of time with Minecraft Earth. I haven't done an adventure. I haven't built anything and placed it in the world. I've only dealt with the one build plate. Uh, anytime I've been into Minecraft Earth, it's been collecting tappables on the way home on the bus. Most of it is motivated by the fact that I have this podcast and I'd like to talk about like I have to keep up on what's going on. Sure. Uh, yeah. I don't think my lack of interest has got anything to do with the app not being fun. I like the tappable things. It's like I enjoy that. I still get a kick at a little jump that the pig does before you collect it. Like <laughs> they're, they're, like, they're very cute. It's an engaging experience. The problem that I'm having is that my device can't handle it. And so until right. I'm in a position where I have a different mobile device that is going to allow me to do more with the game the poor battery life and performance has just kept me from being interested in even opening up uh, the app i haven't done adventures because i don't want to be a 15 minute walk from home without a phone because it's it's not going to last um i i lose 40 to 60 percent of my battery on a 10 minute drive home on the bus mm -hmm. uh yeah. and someone had asked me either in the discord or or in an email i can't remember uh but uh my battery performance on my phone for other tasks is fine like my phone yeah. will last all day i can stream twitch from my phone to my apple tv from like like three or four hours before the battery actually dies so it's it's specifically this this not just app this activity i want to be clear that ar and and uh location data and all that kind of stuff uh is is taxing and i have noticed that other location stuff like when i go hiking and i use maps when i'm hiking i always have to close the map app because if it runs in the background it will run my battery down faster than not yeah 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 that so, gps location yeah, tracking stuff is intensive exactly um i also have a small phone it's an iphone se so the the battery size in it is just not very big so like it's it's not going to get the same battery life as like the larger five six inch screen phones because there's a larger battery um but I'm just not like even even when I'm home, I'm level five now in the game, which means I've unlocked a free build plate. Uh, I, I could do some AR here stuff at home. In order to do that, I have to plug my phone either into a battery pack or into the wall. Yeah. I, it's just too much of a hassle. It seems like a silly first world problem, but it's just like eh, it's just too much of a hurdle for me to deal with to play the game. And so, again, it's not that the game hasn't been fun. What I did take part in, I enjoyed, but I'm at this block where. I just don't see it being something I can handle. And in my opinion, I feel like Moyang will have to look at this and optimize performance for the app for a, for a wider number of devices if they yes. want this to catch on in greater numbers. Because I don't know about most parents, but if I had a kid and I had an iPhone 10, I'm not handing the iPhone 10 to the five-year-old, <laughs> you know, to walk around the park with. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's not, phones are not as shareable in my experience as like an iPad and stuff is, or I should iPad, a, a tablet. Um, yeah. So it, it's one of those things where I just, I don't know how they're going to handle it. Cause I mean, you can't say like, Hey, great. Minecraft earth is a fantastic experience. If you have the latest, greatest insert cell phone here, well, no 10 year old has the latest, greatest. I say no, but very few children. Uh, <laughs> yes. There's, or, al there's always going to be one or two. Isn't right. There? You know, so, but so, and with Minecraft's growth and the fact that Minecraft is so popular, it's because it's appealing to ages, you know, eight to 80. And, and because it plays on every device under exactly, the sun. Exactly. Right. And so that, yeah. and that's a bottleneck that I see. So that's, that's kind of where I'll stop. I, I don't have, much to report on because i just haven't felt compelled uh to 
to get back in. But again, I, I'm laying that at the feet of the device performance on the tasks, not so much that the, the app wasn't fun. Yeah, that is fair. And I will say that I've got an iPhone 6S. Uh, the battery life is probably around the same as yours in terms of like how long I've had it. I've had it for a couple of years now. Just the phone that I have on my, my mobile contract, which thankfully uh, also comes with a lot of data because I have been checking my data usage and Minecraft Earth has dominated both power and data while I've been out. Um, I don't tend to use it for all that much other stuff. I check Twitter. I occasionally download a podcast when I'm on the go, but most of the time I do that stuff on Wi-Fi as well. And I've logged in on the app a couple of times at home to get tappables and stuff if stuff generates near me, which, you know, as I'm sat here, I can probably pick up like one or two, maybe three things without moving outside of the house, but I'm not exactly in a hot spot of activity here. Um, but I don't think anybody is. I feel like that stuff is probably spaced out enough. But my iPhone 6 has basically only survived the last week because I have a portable battery. I have a, I think it's a Belkin um, 6600 milliamp hours um, battery pack. It probably cost me like 20 quid. Uh, I bought it when Pokemon Go became popular and my wife and I were going to go on a trip and we decided we'd probably explore the city that we were going to and play Pokemon Go a little bit while we were there. Um, because Pokemon Go has this great thing where if you catch a Pokemon somewhere, it will tell you the location you caught it. We were going to Amsterdam for our anniversary. So we thought, oh, hey, we could like get a couple of Pokemon here. And then those Pokemon would always say, you caught this in Amsterdam. And it'd be kind of a thing. Don't really play Pokemon Go anymore. So the sentimentality of that is is lost slightly. But still, we, we had this battery pack. I thought, okay, I'll charge it up. I'll give it a go. So far, it has performed incredibly well. I have been out on days where I've played Minecraft Earth, regardless of what I was doing, whether it was uh, tappable stuff, whether it was adventures, building stuff in AR, and I've been out for like two or three hours doing this, and the battery pack has maybe worn down about halfway. So, it's, I mean, the, the, the phone itself is still using a lot of juice, but the battery pack is really holding up, so battery packs are unfortunately for right now going to be essential if you want to go out and play the AR stuff if you want to play adventures and you're anywhere far from home because like you I don't want to be caught in the middle of nowhere with a dead phone especially since that the um the bus network in Brighton is actually uh has moved over to a system where you can use a mobile app to pay for your ticket and you have a QR code that you scan as you walk on the bus and that's your ticket right um so if I got stranded in the middle of town and my phone was dead I'd have to pay extra money for a ticket home and I'd have to take cash out for that and so on and so forth so yeah I've I've absolutely 100% recommend if you can afford to uh battery packs are relatively cheap these days if you get like a 5000 milliamp one there are 10000 as well out there um which one of those my wife has one of those they're they're very very good for what you what you get um obviously that's asking people to invest a little bit of extra money just to play minecraft earth probably somewhat unrealistic but they are useful in a variety of other scenarios and if you're thinking well i just want to be able to get out with this but i can't that option is there for you yeah i mean the battery pack that i have i bought it for hiking right yeah emergency you want to make sure that you can still charge your phone uh, and then it sits in my backpack when I'm on the bus. Every now and again, I'll get caught with like, oh crap, my phone battery is dying and I'd rather not have this podcast die when I've got another 30 minutes left before I'm home. But like outside of that, you know, I'll use it for Minecraft Earth, but I, I, it's not why I got it, right? 
Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, and I, I, th I think it's also, it's nice to reserve those things for emergencies and only use them in emergencies, and this app is not an emergency. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although your phone may occasionally have, you know, yeah. warning symbols flashing and be like, ah. Uh, but yeah, like, I'm going to go through this uh, point by point because I've taken a lot of notes here and I really want to cover a lot of it. Well, the first thing I want... One thing I go, do want to point people... One thing I do want to point people to, because I did, I did go and watch them, is that your videos on Minecraft Earth are really well put together. You can see you out in the world uh, with your wife filming, but also see what's on your screen. And I had not done an adventure, but, you know, obviously to, to kind of brush up on things before the podcast today, I did watch your video on adventures so for people that don't have access to minecraft earth yet uh or um have access and just want to know more about how to play and what you can and cannot do um i would highly recommend people go to check out uh johnny's videos on on his youtube channel because i i thought they were great i mean it was it's really informative yeah i mean the first one i knew a lot of because i had had hands-on before you did but uh, the adventure stuff was all news to me and so yeah you can only see so much when it's on demo on stage, you know, like at, at Minecon Live. Whereas, you know, seeing your feedback and seeing like how you interact with stuff, uh, I think was was really interesting. Um, especially because, um, again, like you mentioned, it was really nice weather. So it's a very clear picture of like where things are in the world, where you are in, in the city and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so adventures are the main thing I really want to talk about because... I feel like tappables and that world map you get, the bit that everyone is comparing to Pokemon Go, I would argue that is not the game. Mm -hmm. I would argue adventures and build plates are the game. Those AR elements are integral to Minecraft Earth's offering. It's what sets it apart from anything else out there. Um, adventures are basically a variety of these miniature build plates that you can interact with and mine out to discover either a small handful of resources or like a cave scene or a mine shaft. Uh, they potentially contain mobs. Uh, there is redstone in these scenes that sometimes links up to TNT. There are minecart rails dotted around and usually clusters of resources, whether it's a little bit of coal in the wall or you do a bit of digging around and you find some gold. Um, they all pop up on the map as these little icons where I think there are three separate tiers of adventures that I've observed. Tier one being like a grassy hill, um, which these are typically the smaller ones. They're more basic. They're less dangerous. They just require you to have a pickaxe, maybe a shovel or a sword or something like that. Um, tier two, you have a stone kind of doorway built into the hillside and there's one skeleton standing on top of it. And then the more exposed stone and skeletons you see, the more dangerous it becomes. Up to, I believe, a tier three is probably the most dangerous thing I've found so far. And in future, those might be the nether or they might be the end or, you know, there's a variety of things you can imagine them doing with those. Right now, if you tap on them, you have to get quite close to tap on them. Um, and it loads up a hotbar and it says, okay, this is what you're going into the adventure with. Do you want to add and exchange stuff with your hotbar? Because you choose which items from your global inventory to take with you on the hotbar and that's the only stuff you get to bring with you so you can't then reach into your inventory of blocks and tools and stuff that you've left in your backpack oh, interesting. And, and use them in the adventure so you basically have to gear up and that is all you get to take with you um so bring tools is the main the main piece of advice i have for that make sure you've got at least a sword and a pickaxe i would recommend um because there are potentially dangers uh, there are mobs around, there are skeletons that will shoot at you from range, 
occasionally I've had one or two of them spawn with a spider or two on the surface, so potentially you can get attacked almost immediately, which I know has taken a few people by surprise in an unpleasant way. Uh, if you tap on the little the icon in the top right-hand corner, you can leave the adventure early if you want to, so if you suddenly get surprised by something you're not prepared for, you can leave, but of course you don't get to claim any resources, you don't get any experience from it, mm. that kind of stuff. Out of curiosity, I mean, I, we all know that you're pro, but have you died? I have. Oh, okay. I died once, and it was right after I found some diamonds. So, of course, this is this is this is definitely a Minecraft game, right? I found some diamonds, immediately <laughs> yeah. got killed by a skeleton, right? Oh, nice. Uh, so, so yeah, I found two adventures which contain at least one diamond ore. The first one I have not gotten to respawn since. It was one of the tier three, what I'm calling tier three adventures. By the way, if you tap on them then it will tell you how many other people have played that adventure and the classification of the adventure. They seem to have categories, although I've not seen either of those features work very consistently. The category always shows up as mystery. Um, even though I've played a bunch of them multiple times now, it still just says mystery. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person in town playing Minecraft Earth. I'm pretty sure I've seen a couple of people walk past and they're, they're tapping on their phones in a very conspicuous way, but it always says you are the first one to play this, and the adventures respawn the same way other tappables do. So it does seem to me that they, you know, it's always going to be the first time you're playing it because you're not going to enter an adventure somebody else has already started. Um, so I'm not quite sure what the, the deal is there. But anyway, yeah, I, I found diamonds in one adventure that I have not gotten to respawn. Uh, I got killed by skeletons. There were too many of them, and there is no way to heal yourself yet. You can acquire food if you kill mobs, but you cannot eat food during the course of an adventure, as far as I have been able to tell. You also can't cook food yet, so I imagine that's something they will add into the game in future, but it's not something that they've implemented quite yet, which puts you at a disadvantage when there's a lot of mobs around, and skeletons are a nightmare in this because they are the only mob that can attack you from range. Normally, if you see a zombie or a creeper or something, it never gets close enough to actually attack you, which makes them kind of just punching bags right now. Right. But skeletons will bullseye you. They are as accurate as they are in regular Minecraft. And the only defense you really have is to, like, dodge behind blocks or something like that. You can't craft any armor yet either. So, generally speaking, players are at a disadvantage if you're up against some skeletons. But there are some adventures that have traps or, or ways to dispose of larger groups of mobs. There is definitely one or two where I've mined out the wall to open up a lava source. The lava floods into the cave and it will kill anything that's in there. Uh. So some of that stuff you can actually use the environment to your advantage. Um, some of it, uh, some of the, the, the adventures actually have traps that are designed to surprise the player. Uh, there's one that spawns pretty regularly as a tier 3 adventure where there's three pieces of iron ore in front of you and a kind of cobblestone box that's built up around the top of it. If you mine the iron ore out, some gravel drops and there's a creeper standing on top of the gravel that you can't see because it's up there in the box. So if you get greedy and you mine the iron ore immediately, a creeper jumps out and it's going to try and blow you up. So there's there's some tricky stuff in there. There's actually some little like puzzle elements to it. Uh, including one that is actually a, a puzzle that I included in one of my more recent videos. But there is a lot of variety to adventures from what I've seen. Um, there are probably, I would say, upwards of 10, maybe even 12, 15 different adventures that you can play if you go out and find them. I think the the main issue is, for a lot of people, 
finding an area that has large concentrations of adventures if you want to just go from one to the other because right now they're the only places you can get precious resources you want coal you want iron you want gold you want diamonds you can only get those resources from adventures right now you can't get anything like that from tappables do you find out of curiosity because i know we're talking about adventures but going back to tappables i've just noticed an awful lot of livestock like i have more yeah. cows than i know what to do with and if <laughs> and if food isn't a thing in the game then i'm sort of wondering what the uses of some of them now on the flip side i i can i can understand why sheep would be good because then of course if you could if you can shear sheep then you could have one of your build plates could be a sheep farm right and you can and you can joel i have put together a sheep farm on a build plate okay. the cool thing about nice. the cool thing about sheep in this game is that obviously you're shearing them manually you need to have a bit of iron to shear them but once you've collected a bunch of sheep, you just open up a build plate, place them all on the on the build plate, and you can place as many as you want in that 8x8 area. You could probably fit like a full stack of sheep in there if you want to. You can shear them all by tapping on them with some shears, which of course reduces the shears durability. But then you can use pickup mode to pick them all back up again. And then when you place them back down, they've all been like they've their wool has regrown so you don't have to wait for them to eat grass you can just farm wool infinitely that way as long as your shears durability holds up right and yeah you you instantly get like i've got i've i've acquired so much wool i'm opening up my inventory now on my on my tablet to see i have 512 wool and i guarantee about half of that has been from farming sheep (laughs) i showed it to my wife and she was just astounded by that because it's like you feel like you're, you've got a bit of a cheat code there. Like this is stuff that you feel like you're supposed to acquire from tappables, but it's possible to get through, you know, the build plate mechanics and what you would consider traditional Minecraft farming mechanics. I'll go one step further than that. I have built a cobblestone generator on a build plate and it is actually possible using pickup mode to mine infinite cobblestone the way you would in Minecraft, except you don't even have to use tool durability. You just have to have a bucket of lava and a bucket of water like you would any other cobblestone generator in, you know, Skyblock or whatever version of Minecraft right. you've, be, you've played where you've needed one. And you can just harvest cobblestone that way. I put that on Twitter the other night and somebody was like, surely they're going to patch this. And I don't think they are because this is, you know, bringing Minecraft thinking into the mobile app and... You know, cobblestone is all around you in tappables anyway. You said you've been acquiring a lot of livestock, but I've been acquiring so much stone and doing adventures as well because you have to mine out the ground in Mm -hmm. front of you. You get a lot of stone that way as well. So it's not like you're short of places to get cobblestone. I feel like it's almost... It it makes you feel smart. It makes you feel like you're cheating the system. It's rewarding to do that stuff on build plates and do technical things on build plates. Now, I have a few redstone components and stuff like that, but as far as I can tell... There are no pistons in the game yet. I haven't been able to craft or find any pistons. Right now, in terms of redstone components, I've got stuff like repeaters and and redstone dust. I have a bit of TNT, some redstone lamps, um, and a couple of minecart rails and, and powered rails that I've been able to pick up. Note blocks, buttons, redstone torches. But there aren't that many mechanical components in the game. So as far as I can tell, you couldn't do more advanced stuff with like automating cobblestone farms you couldn't have it like push out a line of cobblestone that you could just then like tap 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 on Mm. but you can you can do some more like inventive stuff with farming that you'd you'd be surprised and you can do it all in the kind of quote-unquote creative mode that you get with you know building on a build plate so it's kind of interesting to see uh see how that factors into it that's interesting because i i i never thought about 
using those kind of mechanics to like harvest a lot of cobble because all i thought about was just like well if i have a lot of cobble that just means i have to wait for it all to be crafted into something else because like it's i'm not gonna i don't want to, to build with cobble like i don't want to do this is my first day in minecraft you know build a cobblestone house sort of thing sure yeah it's it's yeah. i was i was building more with what i found rather than building with what i could like what i could not manufacture but like you know create or craft or or farm i guess is the better way to say it but the the when i thought about like okay this is like the 15th or 16th sheep that i have i said okay now now i'm thinking like well if i want more color options at least now i know i get a lot of flowers that's the other thing i get a lot a lot of um you say you have a lot of stone i have a lot of dirt because yeah. a lot of my tappables that I go by in the bus are just, they're mounds of dirt, but they're misleading because it's like, you've collected four pieces of grass, one flower, and the mushrooms. But that, yeah, not, yeah. that was not in the picture. All I saw was yeah. dirt. Uh, I almost would prefer dirt. So, uh, But at least with flowers, you get dye. Uh, and um, I don't know if we, can you get bone meal? Have you been able to try to make bone meal? Uh, I have not. Um, I haven't got any bones from skeletons. I've only got arrows. And right now you can't craft dye. I imagine ah. that will be possible in future. But like you, I've acquired a lot of flowers. Can't do anything with them except place them aesthetically on build plates. Um, so, yeah, right now uh, you can only acquire colored wool through those chests that pop up on the landscape as uh, tappables. Okay. And they are pretty rare and you only get one or two wool at a time. So right mm. now I'm stuck using mainly white wool. Uh, but I have a lot of it, so if I can craft dye in future, you know for sure I'm dyeing some of that wool. You could also dye the sheep that way, but then you might also... I, I don't know if when you picked that sheep back up, if it would be a pink sheep still. Right, would, yeah. Would return so to ju- the ground. Just and, a sheep, yeah. No, that would, And that's the point at yeah. which I can imagine having a persistent build plate with a bunch of these different, you know, dyed sheep on, because mm-hmm. then you would need to, yeah, make sure that they were all persistent. Um... As far as tappables, have you noticed that when you're tapping on some stuff, you get colored particles that before it's even broken open and you get to see what you got, the particles will display what color the like the rarity of the item is? Uh, so, yes. Yeah I, yeah, I did pick that up. A lot of what I end up uh, collecting is pretty um, common. Uh, yeah it's all the gray yeah, the gray stuff and the green stuff gray stuff green stuff that sort of thing uh i do i did get a chest and i did note that the chest had different colors and a different animation and, and stuff like that i did ha- i have also noticed that um i've memorized uh i think it's like five taps for a stone tappable three taps for a dirt tappable and it's definitely three taps for mobs like cows and chickens and pigs so rather than tapping endlessly uh you tap once to select the thing you want to get, and then it's like one, two, three, and then you have to wait for like the pig animation to finish before you can yeah. keep going. What's nice about knowing that is that you're no longer putting your finger for me with a small screen. You're not blocking what's going on on the screen, which is like you've collected these three items and they're going to now go in your chest. And it's going to tell you what you got, how many you got. If you're still like just mindlessly banging on the screen with your finger, then you kind of miss that kind of stuff. But if you if you can know that like, okay, well, one, two, three, four, five, and then stop tapping your phone and watch what happens. Um, I find yeah. the experience is better that way once I realized that it was a consistent number of taps for different items. Yeah, and after a while you get used to like the point at which the animation shows, okay, this is breaking, you don't need to tap anymore. So I'm not tapping my way through the rest of that animation, but I do a bit of finger drumming on the phone. I'm just like, okay, okay, I want to <laughs> get to whatever this is, especially if I'm traveling on the bus and yes. it turns out that, you know, I can, I can as soon as this thing finishes opening, I can get to whatever's next. Um, yes. But yeah, it, it's it's really fun being able to tap on a pig 
and then the particles around it turn purple and you're like oh i'm getting a muddy pig this time you know this that you can tell that they're trying to build a little bit of excitement for what's in there before the thing even opens and chests are like that they will cycle through that light blue rare color and then they get to purple and you're like okay i'm getting redstone components from this one it, it kind of yeah builds up that expectation a bit yeah so how do you feel about uh the number of taps like would you prefer to be like tap to enlarge this chicken and then tap once more to confirm yes collect it or would you like the idea that you have to like tap the chicken and have it cluck like three times before you actually get it personally i'm fine with it but i'm conscious of people with like limited motor skills and you know d difficulty mm -hmm. you know with repeated actions like that and you know potentially people with like carpal tunnel or something like that ultimately like i think it's going to be better if they can put in some accessibility options that just do a tap and hold yep. kind of thing or something like that i think expecting people to tap on stuff it's fun it's very like minecraft or what we think of as Engaging, minecraft with yeah. the, exactly with the pickaxe swinging animation and stuff but i feel like for it to i feel i feel like a mature mobile app needs to understand that about its audience and needs to know that there are there are going to have to be options for people like that but it's still in early access and hopefully mm -hmm. they'll get enough feedback on that that on that topic that they'll be able to either reduce it or put in other options for people at least a toggleable option yes yeah now, i think because the where, where I, the reason i brought that up is because like well, it's it's okay for me for tappables it's fine especially now that i've memorized the number what i what where it came back into my brain was watching your adventures uh and watching you mine out stuff and having to tap things over and over and over again yeah with you, you don't need to do that it turns out <laughs> I, oh I you was, can actually uh... tap and hold in adventures Yes, it, it works oh. just the same as left clicking does, and it basically oh. it's it's playing Minecraft Pocket Edition at that point. Okay, but, uh, interesting. Yeah, you can tap on specific parts of the screen if you want to put your finger over that part of the screen. That's the part that you're going to mine. Uh, so it is a little bit different from playing traditional Minecraft in that you don't have to have the crosshair on the screen pointed at the thing you're trying to break. Right. However, uh, if you turn on precision mode, that's what that does. Um, so if you go into the settings while you're in the adventure and turn on precision mode, you'll be able to see a crosshair. It highlights the block you're looking at much as the same as it does in Pocket Edition. And that's now the thing you're interacting with whenever you hold down on the screen. Oh. But you can tap all over the place and, and interact with stuff wherever it is on your screen at that point, regardless of which direction you're looking. See, so that's good to know because as someone with big hands and a small phone, I very yeah. often tap the wrong thing. Precision mode sounds like an excellent option for people that are like like you mentioned have maybe um less motor skill in their hand and and can precisely line up the crosshair but then really at that point it's just a matter of tapping the screen not tapping in precise location. Yeah, precision mode is something I've used mainly if I knew there were mobs around because tapping on a skeleton that is smaller than the size of my finger um, is kind of difficult to maintain accuracy and the skeletons, like I said, are a nightmare so you want to be able to take care of them accurately and make sure you're swinging at them when they're firing arrows at you. So precision mode can often be useful to angle it towards the skeleton but tap on a different portion of the screen so you can make sure that you're still attacking the right thing. Let's move on to talk about crafting, because this is the, the elephant in the room at this point. Uh, we didn't mention this last week because I think you hadn't had a chance to find out, but we also got an email about this from Sam Lego, who wrote in, so thank you for uh, your input on this. Uh, I discovered quite soon when I was crafting stuff in this app that you can skip the timers, but you have to spend rubies to do it. And rubies, you'll remember, are collected throughout the course of acquiring tappables in the game, but are also a, an in-game currency that you can purchase through microtransactions. 
So the longer the timer, the more rare the item you are trying to craft or smelt, the more rubies you can expect to spend. And this is the pay to skip model, which is present, I think, in other apps like this, like Wizards Unite. Um, and this seems to be the thing people have the most concerns about, and justifiably so. Uh, but this is also probably why crafting timers exist in the first place, uh, is because they want to have a little bit of a gateway between, like, you can't just immediately mine uh, diamonds and turn them into a diamond pickaxe and then have that diamond pickaxe ready to go. You have to wait. And I'm sorry to report that crafting a diamond pickaxe in this game takes eight hours. <laughs> Yeah, I, I laughed as well. I thought, like, for, for a start, a stone pickaxe, which is the only tool you'll ever need as far as I'm concerned, takes five minutes. And, like, <laughs> stone pickaxes, for the amount of stuff that is in these adventures and the time that you get to go through these adventures, a stone pickaxe is really all you need, except in the occasions where you're going to be mining gold ore or diamond ore, which show up, you know, very rarely. Um, so you can basically blitz your way through one of these levels with a stone pickaxe. You're not going to be able to mine every block, but if you're thorough about it, you can do pretty well. And a stone pickaxe takes five minutes. You only get, you get cobblestone all the time from tappables, wood likewise. You know, it's not going to be particularly expensive to make them. I think this app is going to have to, like, if you're playing this app, you're going to have to reframe what you think of as Minecraft's progression, because the app handles that stuff very differently. I'm not certain about this because there are no durability numbers on the tools, but I am fairly certain that the rarity of the item you are mining might also do more durability damage to the thing that you are mining it with. So, like, mining diamond ore might take a little bit more durability off uh, an iron pickaxe than mining stone wood with it, for example. Mm. I'm not certain about that, but based on the other rarity mechanics that are in here, like fuel doesn't work the way it works in core Minecraft. It's based on item rarity. So a single piece of coal will smelt you up to 40 cobblestone, which is a common block that you're turning into stone, which is an uncommon block. Alternatively, you can smelt two iron ore with a piece of coal. So, like, it's not a, a kind of one-for-one -one exchange like it is in Minecraft. It's, it's not like this one piece of coal will always smelt eight things regardless of what the thing is. It is all based on this tier system. It's all based on rarity. Um, personally, going back to the microtransaction thing, the, the pay-to-skip thing, I don't see myself ever spending money on this because, you know, I have willpower and common sense. But mm -hmm. um, it is something that can potentially drive microtransactions and... Like, I, I feel like, to their credit, it's there on... It's not been, you know, presented anywhere as part of, the like, the documentation for the app, but it is out there on the surface. It's not necessarily all that insidious. If you know there are timers, you know you can skip them, you have the option to do that, and you have the ability to acquire the resources to do that through free play. So... I'm about to give you guys a masterclass on how to avoid microtransactions in this game, so bear with me while I do that. Don't spend your rubies on crafting timers, instead, budget your time better. If you want to go out and do some adventures, make sure you craft a couple of stone pickaxes before you reach the adventure spot. Normally I just have stone pickaxes going in the background while I'm walking around. If I'm not crafting anything else, I'm crafting low-level tools. They will do you just fine, especially shovels. Shovels in this game, actually quite powerful. Uh, once you have iron ore and you're back on the map, start smelting it instantly so you don't have to wait for it later. Likewise, when you're on adventures, prioritize getting the blocks that you would have to spend time crafting. 
if there are a ton of like wooden stairs and stone bricks but not much else in a map mine all of those because that's stuff you would have to craft later if you wanted to build with it but if you've got a ton of it ahead of time then you don't have to worry so much about that as far as acquiring rubies through free play if you space out multiple play sessions throughout the day maybe roughly six hours apart it seems like the game gives you a bunch of single rubies from the first handful of tappables you acquire in each session uh, with about three days of play, I got 90 rubies, which is more than enough to buy a an 8x8 build plate, all of which seem to be 75 rubies each. I am now at about 190 after a full week, so I'm well on my way to acquiring a 16x16 build plate without any microtransactions whatsoever. That is basically like I'm putting my time in instead of putting money in, but you know, for some people that's a no-brainer. Last of all, do challenges. There is a section in settings or like in the little, um, there's a little book that pops up uh, to do daily quests and weekly quests. Quite a common feature of apps like this. And you get rubies as a reward for playing every day for a week. Uh, you get rubies as a reward for completing all of the daily challenges, which are simply just like pick up this amount of tappables, do a couple of things on a build plate. You get a bunch of XP, you get a bunch of rubies. And there is also another 10 rubies reward for completing all of the weekly challenges, which I did in about two days. Granted, I've been playing the app more than the average person might, but this way you get a handful of XP, which helps you level up. You get the level locked build plates, and then you get a bunch of rubies that you can spend on other build plates for yourself. Last of all, and this one's for the parents in the back, activate parental controls. Because if your kid is one of those people who's likely to just be like, oh, I need some stuff so that I can craft a diamond pickaxe right away that, you know, you don't really need to use because what are you going to do? Go to the nether? No, like uh, people's first thought is going to be acquired diamonds. You don't need diamond tools in this game yet. You might want to have them in future, but you don't need them yet. But parental controls on this app, if you have a kid with low impulse control, absolutely essential. Make sure that they can't buy anything unless they put your password in first and you'll be fine. They might complain, tough. <laughs> I think that's how they've got to learn to manage stuff like this well. And granted, you know, you, you, you can argue that the app probably shouldn't be putting this decision in front of people in the first place, but this is how they're going to be able to fund making Minecraft Earth a better experience for everybody. In the long run, I don't think giving them money is a bad thing. I think you just need to be aware of how it can be done and how much you want to put into it. If that's nothing, that's fine. Activate parental controls. Mic drop. I'm done. Um, <laughs> I have I have some other stuff to say about this app. Um, first of all, like I said, uh, I think people are going to drag in a lot of their preconceptions from Core Minecraft. A lot of people are going to go after diamonds. They're going to want to know where that stuff is. Um, but yeah, like you can't. You, you might mine the occasional piece of obsidian, but you only need diamond tools in Minecraft's progression for going to the Nether. The Nether is not in the game yet, and we don't even know if a diamond pickaxe is going to be the requirement for doing nether-based adventures if that's what we eventually get. Um, so you could probably cap it out at iron tools. Iron tools will mine you basically any resource that you're going to find, but I've entirely been working with stone except like one iron pickaxe that I bring with me. Note that when you die in an adventure, if you die, if a skeleton shoots you and you die, you lose everything you had from that adventure. Anything you've collected in the adventure is gone, as are all the items that you brought with you in your hotbar. So it's like dying in regular Minecraft, you lose everything that you had in your inventory at the time, except you can't then go and get that back. Because it's not like the Minecraft persistent world where you can, you know, find everything as long as you find it within five minutes of loading those chunks again. 
like you can't reload that adventure and pick all your stuff up it doesn't work like that so if you bring a diamond pickaxe to an adventure and you lose it then that's going to be a nightmare and you have to wait eight hours to craft another one so don't do it I, I'm I'm saving all of my diamonds at this point. I don't know what for. <laughs> I'm going to wait until they have a use in this app. But, like, I, I don't see myself ever using diamond tools if I don't absolutely have to. Uh, last of all, inventory is infinite. Stacks are infinite. You don't have to worry about storing items. So, acquire everything. Like, this is, this is a different sort of inventory management to what we have in the current version of Minecraft. Stacks can go up to you know, a virtually unlimited number as far as I can tell. I have about 1.8 thousand cobblestone sat in a single stack in my inventory. You don't need to worry too much about it being split up into stacks of 64, so you can just pick up anything and everything, and all of that stuff is going to be available to you later without having to worry about, you know, bringing the right shulker boxes with you. People need to reframe their idea of what this is as an experience if they're going to get the most out of it. And that's what this week has been for me. It's trying to shake off the idea that I have to play this like I'm playing Java Minecraft right now and treating it as its own experience. And I feel like I'm getting more reward out of it as a result. Out of curiosity, with the bottleneck that they've put on building crafting and kind of we won't call it progression but the the essential what you do in the game like because they've got this kind of like uh ruby kind of constraint situation which is their business model yeah when you are in the mood to play minecraft earth or you're let's just say you're in the mood to play minecraft wow like what's is it is it just the uh the immersion of AR? Is it the fact that it's just a different kind of Minecraft that we've not seen before? Like, what makes you want to play Minecraft Earth rather than sitting in front of your computer and just playing Minecraft when things are going to be able to be much faster? I think, uh, for a start, it's the fact that it's new mm. and the fact that I really wanted to get to grips with what this app was capable of. But the, the AR stuff is really quite special. I think, like, the fact that I can do something like building a cobblestone generator on a build plate is is kind of special to me because like for a start that's that's almost like I, I imagine that's how people feel when they've you know cracked the code on whatever a new Minecraft feature is and they figured out how to farm something that seemed like it wouldn't be farmable I imagine it's how people feel when they've you know just created a really complex redstone contraption or mm -hmm. figured out a flying machine for the first time it's like oh, I understand this now, and I have almost like an exploit or a workaround or something like that. And, and when you realize what that's doing, it's really quite special. But I feel like adventures have the potential to be really interesting experiences, and also if we get the ability to post public build plates, that's going to be really special too. For mm. example, there is an adventure that I briefly mentioned earlier, um, and you can see this in the video that I posted today, um, which is yesterday at the time of this podcast actually going out. Um, there's an adventure where you, you load it up and there's just a lever on a surface with a bunch of stone bricks that looks like a kind of, you know, a horizontal hanger door that's about to kind of slide open. You pull the lever, the entire thing disappears. You're looking down into a room with a few levers on stone brick walls and opposite them are a bunch of redstone lamps which are either lit or unlit. It's a puzzle. And so if you have a fourth lever that you can put, because there, there, there are three levers on four, red, uh, on, on four um, 
like stone brick walls so there is one that's missing if you've brought a lever with you you can add it to that pedestal flip a couple of levers that correspond with the redstone lamps you solve the puzzle it rewards you with four iron ore it does like a fanfare and they just appear on the surface next to you and you can mine them that's not something that happens in survival minecraft right now right. i think the closest equivalent to it is being able to solve the lever puzzle inside of a jungle temple right but it's stuff like that that you can do out there in the real world there is scope for more stuff like that and for the survival gameplay that you get from adventures to diversify into little puzzles and stuff double down on that get the community involved once we can post public build plates there will be map makers who can put experiences out there in the real world for people to like ar their way through and like build a maze or something like that that you can walk through and ultimately you come out at the end and you get a prize i would love to make a series of build plates that are just a diamond in an item frame and put them all around my city and tell people like vague clues about where I've left them and watch everybody go on a scavenger hunt to try and find these diamonds that they could claim if they were like in an item frame in a build plate, right? You just well, have to go there, punch it once and then take the diamond with you. But we're assuming that a public build, like a build plate is something that you can interact with and not just observe. Yes. Um, but the, I mean, that's that's how it works. If you place a build plate using that play button, if you place it full size in the real world, you're in adventure mode at that point. You're not in creative mode anymore. Right. So, but that's but that's for you. Does that mean that I could then interact with it? That that's what I mean. That's what I mean by having them be able to be placed publicly. Oh. Like I, I I hope that the plan is ultimately to see other people's builds out there in the world with some kind of approval process and that's what they've talked about with there being like a moderation step right. in future to make sure that people don't encounter inappropriate content but the ultimate idea from what i understand is being able to place build plates out there in the world that other people could go and look at and if they can interact with them so much the better i don't know for certain if that is ultimately how these things will be implemented but i hope it is because that has the potential to be something really quite special I guess at that point, I just wonder, I put my devil's advocate hat on and wonder, well, what stops someone from coming to your build plate and just mining the whole thing out and not leaving Nothing. it? Right, but not leaving it for somebody else to enjoy, right? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about your, I'm not talking about your scavenger hunt. Like the, the purpose there is to have it collected. But if you built something that's a cool redstone contraption or a maze and someone goes in there and they either solve it or they, they, they do it, but then they destroy the maze, well, then there's no more fun for anybody else. Right. At which point they have maybe some sort of controls implemented where people either can't bring items with them so they can't mine stuff out. Right. Or or yeah. they have, you know, you can only go through this in uh, a certain type of adventure mode. It's not like right. necessarily like a creative mode that you can mine out everything or even allow people the tools to make blocks that are unbreakable. Um, right, they, yeah. They, I, I, was they, I was thinking even in, in app, you could place it in public and you say, do you want it to be interactive or do you want it to be static? Like just you know, exactly. walk yeah. around and look at it. It looks pretty walk away. Not like you can't really do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, effectively, like you have a spectator mode and you have an adventure mode. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, at this point we're speculating, but it, yeah, I just, I'm just, just curious because like, again, I haven't, I haven't gone that far with with where things are in the game, but uh, it's like it's it to me. It's one of those things where I'm really curious to see where it goes once more people get their hands on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think that's really going to be the case at this point, and then what they do with it from there. 
I think the problems with it are obviously still people's suspicion of microtransactions, which is, of course, you know, a concern for a lot of people and a valid one. Uh, battery life, of course, like I said, not everyone's going to be able to bring a battery pack with them everywhere, and they have said that they are working on solutions to that. What that means, I don't know, mm. and how much they will be able to do, I don't know, uh, but I'm hoping that ultimately they can do something that's going to make things a little bit more easy for everybody, and that will allow more people to play the game. The other things are smaller, um, with the exception of Android. I think a lot of Android users are currently seeing a a message in the app store or the, the the sort of google play store that says this is not available in your country when what it actually means is your device is not compatible uh, so uh. they're sending a bit a bit of a mixed message there but um a lot of android users don't have devices which are compatible with google's ar core uh kit which is what is required for ar stuff like this to function there is a great big list of devices which are compatible i think Mojang has made public on one of the the Minecraft Earth uh, feedback pages, so it's worth going to look for that. Um, but then there's a few other things that just need a little bit of tweaking here and there, and I think this could be something kind of special. I think the, like I said, the AR features of this app are really the game, and the tappable stuff is just a means to an end. It's a, it's a way to go out and do all of the resource acquisition that you could do in regular Minecraft, but it is, it, it's it has the potential to be something special. I just want them to stick the landing. And mm. a, a lot of a lot of people are going to have their individual issues with this app. Personally, I had a great time playing it. I'm not going to be able to dedicate nearly the amount of time to it on a regular basis as I have done this week, but it was for videos for me, so I was able to justify it a little bit. But I'm keeping it in my pocket. I'm taking it out when I go to the shop and back. Uh, my battery drains a great deal as a result. But then I think if I do a bit more traveling, I'll be able to bring it with me and... The thing I'm looking forward to most that I haven't been able to do yet is collaborating on something with someone, is joining a friend on a build plate and being able to uh, to kind of build something together in that AR environment. And I have a friend who should be coming down sometime in December who has also picked it up just on the basis that, like, I've been really into it and I've been making videos. And so hopefully he and I will be able to collaborate on something and I'll be able to report back on that. But nice. for now, yeah, I feel like Minecraft Earth... Right now on the App Store in the UK, it has a 4.1 out of 5 rating. I think it deserves that. I, I'm, I'm hedging my bets here. I'm, I'm being a little bit cautious about saying I think it deserves that. But I do think it is something that is going to change the landscape a little bit. In the same way that Minecraft has changed the landscape on survival games, I can imagine other people using AR like this but Minecraft has done something kind of special with it and something that feels Minecraft at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. nice. And, and it's, it's, got, it's got a very Minecraftiness about it that I, I kind of enjoy. I have talked your ears off, and for that I apologize, <laughs> but we are, no. we are pretty, much, pretty much out of time for this episode at this point. Well, I think, and I think it's, I mean, I, I, mean, I want to thank you for the in-depth you know, breakdown because like, I don't have the kind of time to dedicate to Minecraft Earth that, that you do. Uh, and, I, and I think that that's important for people that are curious about it, their devices are giving them the same kind of guff that mine is. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. Like, so like now having spoken with you, having watched your videos, I'm going to make the effort to go try, you know, an adventure, you know, cause I know that there's at least a couple that are nearby the house. Like I can go and do yes. that. I just have to charge my phone, charge the battery pack, 
go with the idea like I'm not going out to do other things, which is how I've been yeah. playing recently. It's I'm going to and from the gym or I'm going out to meet someone. The only time I ever played is on the way home where like, well, even if my battery dies, I'm going to be home in five minutes anyway. So like, yeah, I've I, not had the richest it, experience in that way. It, unfortunately, it does sometimes need to be its own activity. And again, mm. that might be a deal breaker for people. People want yeah. something that they can just like tap on their phone on the bus and yeah. it's just like a little, a yeah. little kind of casual game. I feel like it rewards best people who are able to play at a level that is higher than casual, which is not going to be most people. No, so. exactly. And and again, I'll I'll remind everyone that it is in early access, which translates to beta. Like it is, it's still in development. And and I think yes. that the super harsh, you know, um, feedback that we do see online is people not really taking the time to be like, yeah, it's in development. They're accepting feedback. Like just so be constructive. You know, like criticize but be constructive uh and i think if if enough feedback gets in the right direction in the right manner um that i think that that's that's a positive thing and that and that um hopefully they can like you said you know work on things that allow people more people to enjoy it at the level that uh at that you are Absolutely. Well, that is going to be it for this episode of the Spawn Chunks, folks. Thank you so much for listening to me talk about Minecraft Earth for the last half hour or more. Uh, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and the Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to our our next milestone goals we're currently at 138 patrons which is up from last week welcome new people we're always happy to welcome people in and we've always got room for more special thanks go out to our content engineers cameron segelski greener canuck jd williamson and yitz for supporting this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. But as I always say, personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast with your friends. Poke a friend in the arm or poke them in the ear with the clips that we've been sending out a little bit after the podcast. Share it around, get people to listen, bring them over into the fold. We would very much appreciate it. You can email the show and let us know about your experience with Minecraft Earth at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. We are everywhere. We're like the clouds in Minecraft. Uh, everything that you want from the spongechunks.com website is there as far as show notes. You can also hit us up for the RSS feed there if you need to plug that into your favorite podcast app or just search for us by name. But if you're a patron, the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, and that is where you can listen to the render distance where we will no doubt hear more about Minecraft Earth from Johnny. My name is Johnny, but online I go by PixelRiffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash PixelRiffs, where I attempt to make sense of Java Edition in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three <laughs> days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft server recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at PixelRiffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me, then just drop me a line there. I also have an online store, and if you're looking to get something for Christmas, I would encourage sooner 
rather than later. Uh, I deal with a fulfillment shop, but they're a one-man shop, much like I am. <laughs> so there's not a big team of people. Uh, so if you're interested in picking up some prints, then uh, check that out at joelduggan.com. You can listen to The Citadel Cafe, a podcast I do about sci-fi and fantasy, geeky entertainment. That's every Wednesday at thecitadelcafe.com. And of course, you can follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm easy to find. It's just my name. Come on over to Twitch uh, and, and have some fun with us as we design more nether tunnels. I promise we'll be out in the sunshine soon. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and there's plenty of room for adventure.